You are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. And so uh, last week we talked about how miracles are fireworks that are going off uh, that are intended not just to show how powerful Jesus is, but they are going off in the scriptures uh, to draw the attention of Israel that, hey, this promised Messiah that was promised to your parents and grandparents, this is him. So these signs are supposed to be symbols of a new thing that God is doing. So when uh, Jesus is healing someone who couldn't walk, there's more going on than just bringing healing to that person's life. When there's someone who can't see and they are made to see, there's more going on than just with that person. That there is a way that Jesus is speaking into and over the chaos and the created order to bring peace and renewal and resurrection. So today starts with a question, what don't you like about yourself? And you're like, hey, I came to church to be encouraged. I wonder if there's something about you physically that you wish was different. Uh, I wonder if there's something about what it means to be you that you wish was different. Maybe some kind of personality thing, something that people kind of point out and over time, like you just kind of wish that was different. If you can name whatever that thing is, you can identify with the person we're going to learn about in the scriptures tonight. Because when we come to the scriptures, like it's, it's not just like a bunch of stories. Like the scriptures are, are not just like a bunch of lessons. And so we're supposed to like read it and we're supposed to like figure out what the lesson is. Uh, that's not the way the scriptures are intended to be interacted with. Like the scriptures are God's revelation of, hey, what he's like and what he's doing in the world. There is a call to live a certain way in the scriptures. And there's a description of who this God is that we have been called to follow. And so there's a man in Mark chapter 3 who has something about himself that is very public. That I don't think that he was a huge fan of. Something that everybody else can see and that he would have been reminded about every single day. And so let's look at it together. Mark chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. So another time he, meaning Jesus, went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath? 
to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill, but they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and the hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. So there's a couple characters in the story. So first we see the Herodians. And the Herodians uh, were big fans of King Herod. And so they uh, wanted to see whatever Herod wanted to do, they wanted to see that happen. And so they're, they're wrapping their lives around the government. Those are the Herodians. And then we have the disciples of Jesus. They're in the synagogue in that moment. Uh, they've been listening to Jesus. They've been watching Jesus. They've been eating with Jesus. Uh, they've been walking around Israel with Jesus. And they have put their life on hold so that they could spend time with him. And then we have Pharisees. These were the religious people. They were religious people with political power. Uh, they had a really strong voice in ancient Israel. And the relationship they had with the people of Israel is really interesting. It was like, one part deep respect and admiration, and then like another part, ew, would be a way that we could say it. And they kind of like vacillated between these experiences. Like I respect your knowledge, I respect all the stuff that you know about God, but I don't actually see it being worked out. I don't actually experience like the faithfulness to God that you talk about that faithfulness, you talk about that love, like I don't actually experience that in you. And so there was a deep mistrust in these religious people because they were hearing one thing and they were seeing something totally different. And Jesus is not okay with that. And then... There's some worshiping Jews in the synagogue. These are people who would not just have known about the Torah, uh, the first five books of the Old Testament, that they would have built their life around it. And so gathering in the synagogue was one of the ways that they would express and practice their faith. So in one room, we've got the whole world. We've got the governments in the room. And we've got the religious leaders in the room. We've got a, a group of young men who are trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. And then we've got some young women and old women in the room. And they're, we're all trying to work out, like, is this what this guy is saying? Like, is it trustworthy? Like, is it valuable? Like, should we walk away from some other things so that we can walk toward it? And then we have some people who are very rooted in the Old Testament. 
who are spending time around Jesus, curious about what he had to say. And then we have this unnamed man. Verse 1, another time, he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Uh, I think that there is a specific pain that comes when we're being made to stand out. Like, I think that there's a specific pain that comes when, like, there's something about us that we don't like that everybody else can see. And it's sort of difficult to hide your hand. I mean, there's a couple strategies. Could, like, put up behind your back. Could put it in your pocket. You could always be holding your hands together. And I just wonder about this man's experience in life on planet Earth. Like, I wonder about his experience of that being the thing that people noticed about him. And it makes me wonder about what kinds of conversations this man had with God. Like, hey, this hand. And we don't know how this shriveled hand came to be. We don't know if there was, if it was something that he was born with. We don't know if it was something uh, that happened because of some accident. If you look at the original language, uh, that's kind of what the text would bring to light is uh, because of the tense of some of the verbs, it kind of makes us think uh, that this was something that wasn't with him his entire life, but um, that it was something that happened some kind of moment where things changed. And so I just wonder for him how that experience has shaped his view of God. You know, and then that's true for all of us. Like so many things for us shape, like you can shape this Play-Doh, it's kind of relaxing, it's a bit of a stress reliever. Um, so many moments that shape how we think about God. And in the ancient world, if there was something wrong with you, like if there was something that was unfolding in your life and in your story that caused you to stand out, some kind of suffering, it was because you have done something wrong. So hardship was a punishment. Pain was discipline in the ancient world. And so when people would see this man, they would see this shriveled hand, and what would they see? They would see disobedience. More than they would see the actual person. They were like, oh, he must have done something wrong. He must have done something bad. This is God punishing. This is what happens when you disobey God. And I just, in 2023, I just have to ask the question, do we still feel that way about God? Like when we are in the middle of hardship, when we are in the middle of suffering, 
Like, do we view God as the dispenser of suffering? As the one who brings pain? And does our experience of suffering and our experience of pain, how has it shaped who God is? I would argue that the God that we find in the Bible is not a dispenser of suffering. The God that we find in the Bible is the God who comes to say something about suffering. The God of the Bible is the God who comes to speak a word against death and against shame and against darkness. The God we meet in the Bible is a God who comes to swallow up death to swallow up sin, and to swallow up hell and breathe resurrection. So that's just verse 1. Something interesting happens. Verse 2, some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. So these Pharisees, they are elevating rule-keeping over people-helping. Like, that's kind of their story in the earth. Like, they would rather keep all the rules than they would help people. Like, they saw that as more important. They saw that as more valuable. And the truth is that there's always going to be, be people like this. Uh, there's always going to be people who are going to elevate keeping all the rules over helping people. And they had a watchful eye on Jesus, not because they were considering his way of life, but they had a watchful eye on Jesus so they might judge him, so they might condemn him. And then Jesus does something that no one's expecting. And if you will walk with God long enough, you will watch him do things that you do not expect for him to do. They're all gathered in this synagogue. And Jesus speaks words that every introvert fears on planet Earth. Six words. Stand up in front of everyone. And I don't know how many times you have read this scripture before in your life. But I wonder if you've ever wondered, like, why would Jesus do that? Like, could Jesus just heal this man with this withered hand? Just like in the quiet of his own heart? Could he just, like, look at him and heal him? Like, why is he bringing this man in front of everyone? Like, is he trying to make an example out of him? Why is he doing this? My contention is that Jesus invites this man to come forward because he desperately wanted to create a new kind of community where if you needed help, where if you were suffering, 
where if you had some kind of pain, some kind of brokenness, some kind of difficulty, it would be an opportunity to celebrate who you are and not being seen in light of the thing that you're carrying. Because in the ancient world, you're seen in light of your suffering. But Jesus wants it to be different. He wants the imperfect and those in trouble, those deformed, those shamed to be particularly celebrated. And so he says, hey, I want you to come and stand in front of everyone. Like, I think it's a way for Jesus to say, like, you are welcome here. Like, you are not defined by this thing in your life. Because I think the truth of the matter is this. That shame can be hidden or it can be healed, but it cannot be both. And we may not like that very much. We, our preference might be for uh, the thing that we feel the most shame about in our life to be hidden and healed. We sure would not like it to be in front of anyone, much less everyone. But I don't think that it's healed unless it's visible. This is part of why Jesus calls him forward. You know, I don't know if anybody in the, in the room has a connection to a group called Alcoholics Anonymous, but there's something that's really interesting every time a group of people from Alcoholics Anonymous would get together. And, you know, in movies, it's always kind of shown as sitting in a circle. I don't know that it's actually all in a circle. It might be. But, you know, you've seen this, right? They're in, like, the basement of some church, and then it's like kind of dark, so there's a couple of lights hanging down, right? You've seen this. And there's this famous line. My name's Dave, and I'm an alcoholic. And then you would hear, yes, hi, Dave. As if to say, you are welcome here. You are celebrated for who you are. You do not have to pretend. You do not have to hide your shame, but you are seen and you're noticed and you're welcomed. And I think in the church, in the very same way, I could say, hi, my name is Dave and I am in need of forgiveness. And I might hear from you, hi, Dave, you're welcome here. I'm not going to ask you to pretend as though you don't need forgiveness. I'm not going to encourage you towards pretending that you need forgiveness. I'm not going to encourage you towards hiding. But I'm going to encourage you toward, hey, <laughs> come and stand in front of everyone. Because there's a different kind of community that Jesus is seeking to create in the world. And it's a kind of community where you are seen and you're known and you're loved. And I happen to think that Jesus wants to welcome all of us to the fellowship of the withered hand. I kind of think that's what the church is.
And by kind of, I mean that's what I think the church is. The fellowship of the withered hand. But there's a problem. And the problem is, many people have a practice they are very, 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 very dedicated to. And it has nothing to do with checking your phone in the morning the first thing. Has nothing to do with going to this coffee restaurant that has popped up in the world and getting something to drink before going to work. It's a different kind of practice. And the practice that many people are dedicated to is hiding their withered hand. And they don't take their withered hand and hide it behind their back. They don't take their withered hand and put it in their pocket. But they hide their withered hand with a really, really, really fast-paced life. Just going from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. Because they have a withered hand. And they don't want it to be seen. They don't want it to be noticed. And so if I could just accomplish all of these things, then maybe it makes me feel a little bit better about my withered hand. We hide our withered hand by what we present to the world, the image we present to the world. Because it's uncomfortable to be seen, to be known, to be loved. We hide our withered hands in our work. That, oh, if I can just work long enough, work hard enough, then I will feel better about my withered hand. Some of us hide our withered hands in all of our accomplishments. Like, here's all of the things that I've given my life to, and here's the accolades, here's the awards. And so it makes me feel better about my withered hand. But I just believe part of the power of this story is when Jesus invites the man to step forward, to come in front. He's doing that to welcome him, but he's also saying it to everybody else. Like, hey, we're not going to pretend like this man is the only one who is in need of me. Because then his anger turns, turns toward the Pharisees, doesn't it? And Jesus is angry. Why? Because of their stubborn hearts. And he's angry because y'all are pretending like you don't have a withered hand. So you're like staring at this guy. But you have a withered hand too, and that's not an accusation, that's an invitation today. To come and stand in front of everyone, to allow yourself to be seen and known and loved. And I think as the church, we have an opportunity in that. To be seen by other people to be known by other people. And no, this is not pass the microphone around Sunday to share publicly about your withered hand. Don't worry. But I want us desperately to understand the power 
of being known, power of being loved, the power of hearing high days. You're welcome here. See you and notice you. Uh, because a church that hides from one another cannot be the church. A family that hides from one another cannot be the family that God desires for it to be. A person who hides from other people cannot be the person that God desires for me to be. And so today I just wonder, no, we're not passing the microphone around, but I wonder about a conversation that you might need to have with someone in your life about the thing in your life that's hard about the thing in your life that you find yourself struggling with, the, the thing in your life that's bringing you pain, the thing that you feel shame about, rather than hiding it, rather than creating a pace of life that would help you deny it, that would help you put it away, chasing accomplishment, instead of doing that, like, could you walk in the footsteps of this man who comes to the front and he's healed? And so I don't know who that person is in your life. But do I think that as people living on planet Earth, we can be more honest about our brokenness and our frailty and our need? Yes. And I think it's one of God's deepest desires for us because it would be easy to read this story and be like oh that's amazing that man who had a withered hand how amazing for him and Jesus all the while is whispering come in front in front of everyone be welcomed be known be loved healed let's pray together Lord God we thank you uh, tonight for this gathering, for the time and the space uh, to be together, to hear your word and to ask some questions about this way of life that you call us to. God, I'm grateful that the church is not meant just to be an event. I'm grateful that you're Church is a family of relationships where we can know one another instead of hiding from ourselves and from you and from one another. And God, I pray for everybody in this room tonight as they contemplate the step toward being known that you have for them to take. I pray that you'd give them courage and strength for that. To take the conversation with the people in their lives beyond the stuff that they usually talk about. And that they would be willing to show up in a way that is more honest and genuine of what is true and what they're experiencing. God, I pray that you would take us deeper as a faith community. 
pray that you would more tightly connect us. And God, we pray for your healing. There is a lot of need even in this room tonight. And I pray that you would breathe over those situations, over those circumstances, and that you would pour emotional healing, that you would pour physical healing, and that you would extend to your people the deep love that you carry for them, to be known, to be loved, to be welcomed in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we're going to sing one more song together. Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.